So the scripture that the Lord asked me to kind of expand on tonight is Hebrews 12, verses 12 to 13. And, and uh, those verses in the Bible say, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. And as I was reading this scripture, I, I remembered that I preached on this scripture before, but God was showing me something fresh in this. And the first thing that I saw in verse 12 is it starts with the word, therefore. And uh, one of my favorite things in the word of God is to chase down wherever it says, therefore, I want to know what the therefore is there for. And so before being strengthened tonight, which God is going to do in so many lives, um, let's see why the people receiving this letter from the writer of Hebrews needed strengthening. And I believe that you're going to see something in the word tonight that's going to strengthen you and help you and comfort you immensely. And uh, so I'll go back to verse 7 and it gets a little bit uh, difficult because it says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom a father does not chasten. And uh, sonship and the identity that stems from sonship, our positions as sons, has been one of the hot topics in the church over the last few years. But here the Bible connects God's chastening with sonship. And obviously this is more and more in opposition to the culture around us. Uh, my wife spent many years as a school teacher, and particularly in primary schools, it's become very evident that if a, skill, if, if a kid messes up, there's no way in the world they're going to get punished. They're spoken to very quietly. Otherwise, you're accused of being abusive. But here uh, it says in verse 8, If you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. And this is one of those verses because I was like, when God gave me this scripture, Hebrews 12, 12, you know, therefore strengthen the hands that hang down. I was going, yes, this is going to be so encouraging for people. They're going to be so comforted by this. They're going to be so strengthened. And then I'm looking back because I've got to have context. You've got to, have, when you preach the word of God, you have to have context. And here he says, if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers and you are illegitimate and not sons, why is chastening important? Because without it, we will continue to make our bad choices instead of being conformed to the molding and shaping work that God is doing in each one of us. In verse 9, it goes on to say, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. If you have not paid your earthly father respect, I want to tell you it's one of the core commandments of God. Honour your father and your mother that it may well go well for you in the land which the Lord has promised to you is one of the scriptures in the Old Testament. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? To be in subjection is to walk in humility. And the writer here goes on to expand a bit on the concept of fatherhood and he draws a bit of a line between what we may have walked through with our earthly fathers and what we can expect from our heavenly father. 
In verse 10, he says, For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to You might have to turn the reverb off on this, please. Michael, front of house and uh, the live stream desk. Otherwise, I'll be preaching to people from the back of a cave. <laughs> Come out, Elijah. <laughs> for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. Who here, well, I say who here, I'm waving to all you people on live stream, who here has ever been chastened by their earthly dad as seemed best to them but didn't seem best to you? <laughs> but he, in other words, God, for our prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T, that we may be partakers of his holiness. And this is the difference, this is where God draws the line between human fathers and God and something here we should take notice of. Here it says that our earthly fathers chastise us according to their choices, their purpose, their limited wisdom, sometimes even their ignorance and sometimes even their malice. But God does it for one reason only, for our profit that we might become partakers of his holiness and grow into maturity as sons. And we all want that. This is a theme that runs right through the word of God, that we shall be holy as he is holy. We shall be like him because after all, the Bible teaches us in Genesis, we have been made in his image. Then it goes on in verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Have you ever noticed that? Whether it was earthly or heavenly chastening, it doesn't appear to be joyful in the moment that you're receiving it. In fact, it says, uh, doesn't seem to be joyful for the present, but painful. <laughs> Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained in it. And I sat there and meditated on that scripture and... Um, if you heard my message last Sunday titled, It Is Well, you would have heard my prophetic word that said, the world's systems are not failing, they are falling so that the kingdom of heaven might be more clearly seen. And I went on to prophesy that the kingdom of heaven will be more clearly seen because it will be seen in us. And that the kingdom manifests in the believer as righteousness, peace and joy. And if ever the world needed to see people walking in righteousness, peace and joy, it is right now. What's that got to, to do with uh, Hebrews 12 verse 11? Well, it says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful, joy for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable, peace, fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God's chastening in us actually produces righteousness, peace and joy. It grows us into sonship. Mature sons walk in righteousness, peace and joy. Chastening trains us and produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness, true peace that can only come from right standing with God. 
I know so many people who lived, including myself, who lived their lives in total rebellion and opposition to the ways of God. And I can tell you, I had no peace. I'd, I'd search for peace in everything that man has to offer. Anything the material realm has to offer, I went after it because I needed peace because I was empty inside. But peace, true peace, comes from restored relationship with God. So sometimes with what we go through, that joy is hidden in the pain of the process. Have you ever noticed that? That we focus on the pain of what we're going through and we don't realize that underneath it all, God is building joy in us. Because this verse promises us that we will come out with joy. And we are destined to continually be producing the fruit of peace, the fruit of righteousness. And while it may not feel like it at the time, the chastening is so that we might walk in joy as we come out of our trial. And we are walking through a very difficult and challenging time at the moment. In fact, nobody around the world is immune from the challenges that we are facing. And I noted today something that um, should give everybody pause who thinks that, um, and I'm not trying to be controversial here, I'm just giving you some straight facts. There seems to be a consensus amongst governments around the world that vaccination is going to be our path out of um, the, the, the crisis to do with COVID-19. But I noticed today a particular statistic from the nation of Israel. And I'll just give you that statistic. The statistic is that 80% of Israel's population aged 12 and over have had double vaccinations. They are fully vaccinated. And yesterday they had 6,900 and something new cases of COVID and they're having multiple deaths every day. In Australia, our government strategy would appear to be, let's get all of Australia vaccinated and we'll be able to return to life as per normal. But if normal life is thousands, and I should say that Israel has a population of 9 million and our state, New South Wales, has a population of 8 million. So you can see the comparison there. If you've got 80% of the population that's been vaccinated twice and you're having nearly 7,000 new cases of COVID every day, there is an issue. The one bright spot in that is that the level of deaths that are resulting from these fresh infections is not as high and the level of hospital, hospitalizations is not as high. But obviously there's still a problem. And I want to tell you that we need God. We need the intervention of the Lord. And for those of us who have been praying and believing that God will break through, we must continue to pray and believe that God will break through. Because God is a, is a God of promise. He's a God of rich reward. He's a God of rich fulfillment. He's a God that brings us out of our wilderness places and, and into places of prosperity and plenty. But I want to tell you that we are in a difficult place and we need to understand how much we need God's help. 
But I want to make something clear here. I'm not trying to connect COVID-19 to the chastening of the Lord. We know that sickness, death and disease are the result of sin. We know that sickness, death and disease are the weapon of the enemy against us. But we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. So even though COVID-19 is not a trial or a chastening, sorry, even though COVID-19 is not a chastening of the Lord, God wants us to have his perspective on our trial and see what God wants to produce in us in the midst of our trial, through our trial, despite how difficult it is. That's the godly perspective. And you see it all through the Bible where the devil tries to destroy people and God does something in the people's hearts that the enemy is trying to destroy that produces the mature fruit, fruit of joy, of peace and of righteousness. You only have to look at the story of Joseph. God didn't ordain that Joseph would be thrown down a well. He didn't ordain that um, when he, when he uh, rose to a position of prominence that some adulteress would seduce him and he'd be thrown into jail. God didn't ordain any of that. But what God did was he did something in Joseph's heart in the process, through the process. And if we can just come to that place of faith, and this takes faith. It takes faith in your heart to say, God, I don't, I don't understand what we're going through, but I choose to trust you and I know that you're going to bring us through. That takes faith. God's looking for faith in us. If we can do that by faith, if we can see that God uses all our trials to mature us into true sonship, because that's what this scripture is saying, some of the burden lifts and we can walk in peace and righteousness and we can carry joy. So finally, <laughs> we arrive back at the therefore that we started tonight's message with. <laughs> Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down on the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. <sighs> and from this, I understand something very clearly. Because we now understand this aspect of the chastening of the Lord, we now understand, we can have the revelation that walking in strength and walking out of our crippled past is partly at least our responsibility. <laughs> Let me read you those two verses again. Because I don't see in these two verses that God's going to do it. What I see here is the writer saying to these people that he's writing to, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down on the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. He's giving them an admonition about how they are to live their lives, about the hard attitude from which they go forward. And so God is asking us in this verse that we strengthen our hands that hang down and that we make straight paths for our feet. His promise of healing, which is what he will do, is in response to our taking responsibility for where we're at. 
taking responsibility for what the trial reveals in us because trials introduce us to ourselves. Have you ever heard that? Adversity introduces you to yourself. <laughs> get up in the morning and go, G'day, John. Is that really you? <laughs> Something's got to change, my friend. <laughs> His promise of healing is in response to our taking responsibility. If we don't, we run the risk that that which has been damaged from our past will not heal as God intends. And I see something in the way that the Bible describes this process. Hands that hang down do not have hold of anything. They are not being used. There is, suggest there is a suggestion here of hopelessness. Somebody walking around, hands hanging down, head down, not looking where you're going. But the Bible tells us that our hands need to take hold of the shield of faith and then lift it. You can't lift a shield of faith and have your hands hanging down at the same time. Of the six pieces of the armour of God, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, that one piece, the shield of faith, is the one that's, that God says we are most responsible for because he promises that we will quench the fiery barbs of the enemy with our shield of faith. Therefore, strengthen the hands that hang down. It's always a powerful thing as you dig further into this verse, into the original Greek and Hebrew in the Bible, because sometimes the words translated into English don't carry quite the same weight. And so it is here, where in verse 12 it says, to strengthen the feeble knees, that word feeble in Greek is actually paralleal and carries the connotation of being paralyzed, unable to move forward. So here you have someone who not only has their hands hanging down and don't have their defences lifted high. Here we have somebody who cannot move forward. And this is vital to see because fear is our enemy in this season. If you don't have your shield of faith up, I'm telling you, fear is going to get through and you will not be able to go forward. And we must base our decisions on faith and never on fear. Faith moves us forward and fear stops us in our tracks. Let me uh, share with you something else that I saw in this. That if the Bible is saying make straight paths for our feet, it is because our paths are crooked. And here the writer says if you are already lame because of your crooked paths, fell into a pothole somewhere, ruined something, you risk, let's say, for instance, you sprained your ankle because you walked in a pothole. We're talking about the spirit realm here and the areas of sin that we sometimes fall into. 
Let's say, for instance, you got a sprained ankle because you fell in one of those potholes. Let's say you dug a pit of your own making, and you, which is something else the Bible talks about, and you've managed to sprain your ankle by falling into that pit, into that hole. The Bible says here that you risk the total dislocation of your ankle if you persist down that crooked path. I don't know if you've ever dislocated your ankle, but I've dislocated mine, and you don't go anywhere on a dislocated ankle. But here, the promise is held out to us. If we make our paths straight, we will be healed. And here we get to the nitty-gritty of this message because we're responsible for the paths that we choose. We all make choices, good, bad, and indifferent. I made a lot of bad choices, I made a lot of indifferent choices and I praise God that I believe since I gave my life to the Lord I've made more good choices than I have bad. And I praise the Lord that his grace is upon my bad choices to correct me, to chastise me so, so that I strengthen the hands that hang down so that I make straight paths for my feet and I don't walk in those crooked paths anymore. And in all of that process, I am being chastised into a position of more maturity as a son. And we all need maturity. My goodness, does the world need mature sons of God in this season? I stopped here while I, was, uh, while I was working my way through this and I was just kind of meditating on, on these truths. And God took me to Proverbs 16.9. A man's heart plans his way. We're the ones that make those choices about the directions we're going to go in our lives. But then it says, but the Lord directs his steps. See, when we, when we align our decisions, our choices with the Word of God and we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, God's promise is, I will direct your steps. You might be choosing a path out of the, at the moment in faith and you may not be totally sure of that path. But if you've submitted your path to the Lord because you believe it's in line with the Word of God and you've been asking the Holy Spirit to lead you, I want to tell you the grace of God, the favour of God, the empowering grace and the unmerited favour of God rests upon the path that you've chosen if you've chosen that path in faith and not fear. And whatever happens, because you've submitted it to the Lord, he's going to direct your steps. And this is our only path of certainty, to make our choices according to the word of God, align ourselves with him, and then we can partake of his promise. It becomes God's responsibility and not ours. I've made enough poor choices to know that I would prefer God to be responsible for my future than me and my dumb choices sometimes. <laughs> if you're all here, I can, I can see you in the spirit going, yes, that's true. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he will direct our steps, every single one of them. The pressure is off. When your heart is for the Lord. Let me share a story with you. My wife, a darling wife, Kerry, is always telling me I need to share more testimonies. And this one's a really powerful one. So there was a number of years ago I was relatively new in my um, 
return to faith in the Lord. And uh, I had a business problem. This is uh, quite a number of years ago now. God gave me a client that it was almost impossible to extract payment from them. Almost impossible. I say God gave me a client, gave me this client, because I got this client in direct response to prayer. I was in an impossible uh, situation, facing uh, being kicked out of the rental accommodation that I had, credit card maxed out. My mum prayed with me that God would come and do something in the situation. And that afternoon I got a phone call from this business owner um, who I had never heard of before, who I'd never had any contact with, nobody that I knew had ever had contact with him. And that very afternoon I walked out of his office with $18,000 worth of work and a check to get me going. So God gave me this client. But I soon found out that this was a man... Um, who did not like parting with his money under any circumstances. And so uh, I had him as a client for a, a number of years and it was uh, becoming more and more difficult, even though he was becoming more and more prosperous, to get any sort of payment from him. And I got to the point where he owed me, I can't remember the exact figure, but it was well over $10,000 and he'd owed it to me for a long time. When I say a long time, I'm talking seven months, eight months without any payment from him. And then the work dried, dried up and so here I am, I'm sitting there with this, this person owing me this huge sum of money. Anyway, God showed me something about the situation very clearly. He gave me a prophetic word to do with the spirit that was behind what, uh, what was causing this person to behave in this way. I've got to be careful not to identify anybody, and it's not somebody that I have any contact with now anyway. But um, anyway, so I was praying against this spirit, praying against this spirit. Nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. You know that situation that you sometimes get to where you just go, Man, I just give up. I just give up. I, I'll just be honest with you. I was at that point because it had been nearly 12 months since I got paid and I'm thinking I'm not getting any work from this guy. If I try to ring him, I can never get hold of him. All the emails are uh, not replied to. Nothing, nothing, nothing works. Anyway, I was at that point and I was in my office one morning and I, out of the corner of my eye, I spied a cardboard box in the corner of my office and I thought, what's that? I don't remember that. And I went over and looked in it. And in that box were all these business documents to do with this man's business. Now, he had asked me to uh, scan them and include them in his website and stuff like that. But um, for whatever reason, he'd never asked for them back. And I'd forgotten about them. And I looked at him and I'm going, oh, it's his stuff. And so... In my flesh, I'm going, oh, I should just chuck this stuff in the bin, man. Why should I do anything for this guy? Blah, blah, blah. You know what? Come on, guys, be honest with me. You know what it's like. He owes me. <laughs> and so I wrestled with this for a little while. And uh, I can't remember if God took me to Hebrews 12, 11, and 12 or not. But I decided that um, his unrighteousness was not as important as my walking in righteousness. 
And so I knew what God wanted me to do because I was not responsible for his crooked path. I was responsible to keep my path straight. So um, I said, okay, God, uh, uh, I just want to I, I, I be clear of any responsibility to do with this business relationship whatsoever. And so I decided that the best way to approach this was I got the cardboard box, I got in my car, I drove down to his factory thing which had a big gate out the front which was pretty much locked all the time. I'd been down there many times in the hope of catching him and accosting him about the amount that was outstanding. So I decided I was going to go down there and I was sure that one of his workers would be there in the yard and I'd at least be able to just hand the cardboard box over with all the documents in it and walk away from this situation, wipe my hands and never have to think about him again. So here I am, I park my car, I get out with a cardboard box, I got it under one arm and I come up to the gate which is locked and I'm just about to bang on the gate to get somebody's attention inside and as I lift my hand to knock on the gate, the gate opens and he's standing right there in front of me and he goes, John, I was just thinking about you, come in here, I'm going to write you a check. I'm like, I'm absolutely flabbergasted. And I walk into his office and I'm like, I'm like, what's the catch? Who's going to shoot me? What's going on here? And then he writes out this check and he goes, I just want to thank you for the work that you've done and blah, 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 blah. And um, so I... I come out of that thing, I'm just kind of floating on air because I'm not sure whether I'm dreaming. I'm going, like, you know, wake up, John, what's going on here? I get in my car and then I think, hang on a minute. And I went up the bank and I deposited it and I sweated for three days until the check cleared. And it cleared. And so you see, the whole purpose of telling you that story is that when you make your paths straight, God has a habit of coming into the situation that has so troubled you. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And in preparing this testimony, I just thought about it. I just thought about the extraordinary Coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence anymore because I have too many God incidences in my life. I think about the extraordinary coincidence that in the very act of raising my hand to knock on the gate of that man's business, the gate opened and there he was and I had favour in his sight, even though I'd, I hadn't spoken to him for a year. Praise the Lord. So I hope, you're, um, I hope you're encouraged by this because I know that there are many, many, many of us that are waiting on breakthroughs at the moment, particularly um, in the area of finances. I know that there's also people, I've got some words of knowledge here that I'm going to minister to in, in, in a minute, but a lot of people are struggling in the realm of finances. A lot of people are struggling in personal relationships and, you know, you're not responsible for somebody else's unrighteousness. You're responsible for your own righteousness. And, and, you know, I think I've mentioned early on in this message that a key element of this is humility. Sons walk in humility. 
And so, uh, before going into the words of knowledge, uh, I know you've been encouraged by what I've already shared. I want to share something, just something else with you very briefly that's on my heart. That is that I've watched many, many different responses to our present difficulties. And I, I don't know anybody, and I mean anybody, that has not struggled in one way or another. Everybody I know has had to wrestle their way through different aspects of the situation that we're in. But one of the things that God has his hand upon at the moment is the maintaining and transformation into greater unity among his people. And in closing out this message, um, the Lord took me to Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. This speaks directly to what we've been talking about. Walk worthy. Walk worthy. Strengthen the hands that hang down. Straighten your paths so that what might be lame at the moment will be healed rather than dislocated and cause further problems. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Can I tell you that uh, lockdown means bearing with one another in situations that we're not accustomed to. And then verse 3, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So there's no such thing in the Bible as a spirit of unity. But there is something called the unity of the Spirit. Our unity as brothers and sisters in Christ is something that is birthed supernaturally by the presence of the Holy Spirit in each one of us. That's what connects us to each other. And God gives us responsibility for endeavouring to keep that unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I just want to encourage you, if you're having difficulty in areas of relationship, um, walk in humility and watch what God will do. We all bear the responsibility of coming through this together. And I can't wait till we get to the other side of the crisis that we're currently in and see this place full of worshipping believers because I believe there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit coming that God has been preparing us for even as we receive his chastening in this season. So I just want to minister into uh, a couple of words of knowledge, and I believe each of these is, is, is uh, probably for more than one person tonight. And what I'm just going to do is, by faith, release um, God's presence over those who respond to these words of knowledge. I can't see you responding, but I know that you're going to in the Spirit because God wouldn't have given me these otherwise. And uh, I, I see that um, this is what the Lord was showing me today. Um, God sometimes shows me um, prophetic pictures 
um, metaphors, if you like, of what's going on. And the first one I had, it was like a deer frozen in the headlights. I don't know if you've ever driven in Australia, it's more likely to be a kangaroo, actually. You'll be driving through a backcountry road and a kangaroo will bound out from the side in the middle of the night, land in the middle of the road, see your headlights and just freeze. And you can try and go around or you can hit the brakes. I've hit one and it's not a very good experience. <laughs> but in this particular prophetic picture, I saw a deer frozen in the headlights. It's like circumstances have got you frozen and you're too scared to do anything. And God says, move. God says, move. Make your decision and move. In other words, make your decision in faith, submitted to God. Uh, choose your path um, in line with the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and God will direct your steps. But God says, move. You cannot stay where you are. Make your decision and move. So I just want to thank you, Father God, that the spirit of fear that has stopped these people right there in the glare of those headlights, I break the spirit of fear tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I take authority over fear that has stopped people from moving forward in faith. I thank you, Father God, that as people make that decision to move, you are revealing to them the uh, open door that the enemy has managed to get fear through to impede you in your progress forward because God says to you tonight I'm taking you forward you are not going to stop where you are you are not going to be hit by what you're so afraid of I'm going to take you off the place where you are now but you have to make the decision move hallelujah I saw somebody else and this was really uh this was really clear it's like I was being taken back into uh, the Old Testament days where there's a portion of scripture where the nation of Israel are on their journey to the promised land and they end up going round and round and round this mountain they're like lost and they don't know where to go they keep going around the mountain and so there's people uh, watching the live stream or are going to watch this later on YouTube and you've been going around that same mountain for years and it is a mountain um, that uh, was birthed in sin that has flourished and it has grown and become a mountain out of the regret you have for your past. And I saw this person going around the mountain and they were going round and round and every time they went around, every time they completed a circuit, it was like they were digging a deeper trench for themselves. And as I watched, as the person went round and round around the mountain, I could see less of them and less of them and less of them until I could see, all I could see was the tip of their head in the trench that they had dug for themselves. They couldn't see anything except the trench in front of them. They kept going and going and going. The trench was so deep you could hardly see over the edge. But I saw in the spirit a pickaxe being dropped to you and you taking that pickaxe to the wall of the trench and God says to you tonight, I am equipping you for every good work. You are cutting a path out of your circuit of sin and you will go free. 
And so I just thank you, Father God, that those tonight who have felt under-equipped to face down the things that keep them going in circles, I thank you, Father God, that right now there is being released an equipping of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for that pickaxe, Lord, that so that they can take hold of that thing, that they can lift up their hands that are weak. Take hold of that pickaxe and begin st- and stop right where they are. Turn sideways toward the wall of that trench and begin digging their way out. And I see you, Father God, you're just putting such force into that pickaxe, just supernatural force. This is not going to take a long time. And I see you digging your way out. I see you walking up out of that trench and I see you getting your bearings and heading exactly in the direction that God has ordained for you. God says, enough is enough. You are moving out of here. You've gone around this mountain long enough. I'm taking you into your promise in the name of Jesus. So I just thank you, Father, for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, that those who have been going round and round in circles will go round in circles no more. I thank you, Father God, that you are exposing the root of sin that has caused this. That, Father God, that they are casting this thing away from them as you cast it out in Jesus' name. One more. For those of you who are on the live stream tonight or watching this later from on YouTube, and you have a failed relationship, and it has resulted in something breaking in your heart, you know those little... Um, I actually saw it. Um, as one of those silly little Facebook emojis. You know the little one of the heart, the red heart split in two with a division down the middle? I saw it like that, clear as day. And uh, I see that there are... I saw that there are people on the live stream tonight, watching later on maybe, that your heart has been broken from the failure of past relationships. There's a breaking there that God wants to heal. I saw it very clearly broken into two pieces. And I felt the Lord saying to you, if you will forgive from your heart and not just your mouth, I will restore your heart. If you will forgive from your heart and not just your mouth, I will restore your heart. So I just thank you, Father God, that for those who need to hear that particular word, that this word does not return void. In fact, I have a picture of this word pricking you, goading you, until you actually come to the place of humility where you can truly forgive from the heart I see a picture of somebody who's been saying all the right things but it's just been the lips and not the heart and God says he's going to make your heart match your lips and when your heart matches your lips your heart's going to be healed in Jesus name in closing tonight we'll probably close with a worship song in a minute um Actually, if the worship team wants to jump back up, we'll we'll do something. Um, 
I was I wasn't sure whether to give this one um, because um, it's actually usually something that you end up in hospital for. Um, but, but I'll uh, I'll give it and. Um, and actually, even as I'm considering this, I, uh, I also understand that it might be for somebody who's had this condition and they need some really big healing. Um, I had the word peritonitis. Peritonitis starts with an inflammation of the stomach wall and it can be fatal. And um, once peritonitis moves into the realm of organ failure, I think the uh, mortality rate is somewhere around 90%. And so... If you've got any sort of stomach issue tonight or if you've um, had an issue with peritonitis in the past and you have um, areas of your body that have not been healed, that have been damaged by that encounter with that disease, I just want to release a word of healing to you. And so, Lord, I just, I just want to thank you, Father God, that every stomach lining... Lord, the people that are on our live stream tonight who um, have any sort of issues to do with the lining of their stomach or issues to do with having been attacked by peritonitis in the past, I just declare that Jesus Christ is your healer and that the healing that you have desired and the healing that you need is available to you because Jesus took it for you on the cross more than 2,000 years ago. And so I just thank you, Father God, that by the stripes of your son, Jesus, we are healed. And because of that truth, I speak in faith the healing of those who need that area of healing. Before we finish with a worship song, I just want to, I'm going to give you a little sales job for Sunday morning because uh, God's given me a tremendous scripture um, about where we're going when we come out of the place that we're at at the moment. And uh, in Psalm 66 verse 12, um, the psalmist says, You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. And on Sunday morning, I'm going to be preaching a word about the rich fulfillment that God is taking us into out of this season. Amen, church. And uh, I hope you can join us on Sunday morning. We're going to finish with a bit of worship tonight and uh, invite you to, to join in as we worship. And uh, thank you for joining us tonight. God bless you. God bless you with peace. Whatever you're walking through, you can walk through it in peace because of what Jesus has done for you. Amen.